Welcome everyone. I'm Alicia Swami and I'm here with Eric Johnson. We are exposing mold. Today we have Elizabeth Kripe with us. She is co-founder and executive director of Malachi's Message, a nonprofit that raises awareness, brings about change, and financially assists those impacted by toxic mold. Elizabeth studied psychology and has completed her teaching credential program. She's taught junior high, high school, and continuation high school students for seven years before becoming a stay-at-home mom. Her family moved to Texas for a better life and new job for Elizabeth's husband. After their second daughter turned one, they moved into the apartment that set them on their mold journey. Elizabeth and her husband for a short time were homeless and had no savings left to spend. Boy, we've all been there with this mold crap, haven't we? (laughs) It's insane. They knew after recovering that helping people in the position that they'd been in was their only option. Her life was forever changed with the diagnosis of MCAS, PCOS, and celiac disease due to her mold exposures. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. This is an honor. I, I appreciate so much what Exposing Mold does and what you stand for. I this is this is an honor. Thank you for what you guys do. It's a pleasure to be even associated in the same world with y'all. Awesome, and we definitely would like to reciprocate that that thank you to what you guys are doing as well. And I would love to just learn more about you, and maybe we can dive more into your story, and then learn more about uh, you becoming a part of the Malachi's uh, Message family. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you just want me to start at the beginning? Yeah, sure. Yeah. um, This is is your time. You take it away. Let us know whatever you feel comfortable with. Just share and whatever you don't, don't share, or we can always edit it out. So it doesn't really matter. It's free flowing right now. Yeah. Which is nice. Um, (laughs) I love editing. Yeah. No, we, uh, my husband and I met and a year later we got married. We um, had our first daughter a year after that. We apparently chose to do things without waiting. And we started doing our own career. So I was teaching, I was teaching kids that got kicked out of high school. I would have retired. I worked at a title in school in California. So I had the low income punks and they were my favorite, like by far my favorite. My husband was a fabricator and a drought hit California pretty severely. Year five of the drought, he went, I need something more sustainable for my family. And he did a trial for a line school there and got in. And that just kind of started him on his new path. So he is a journeyman lineman, not the football player. You saw him, you would understand he's not a lineman like that, right? He climbs poles. So, you know, it's the joke. He climbs poles. So none of us have to for their wives. And he uh, got an apprenticeship in Texas. And they said, hey, can you be here in three weeks? And the wait time for the apprenticeship in California, Nevada was two years at the time. So we said, yeah, we'll be there in three weeks. It's, you know, going to get us into this career field a lot sooner. So we picked up, moved to Houston, Texas, knew nothing about it. Uh, knew nothing about Houston, Texas, and quickly realized that things like humidity and bugs and building codes were horrendous. And we moved into an above garage apartment when we moved here. We had one daughter who was two at the time. I was pregnant third trimester with my second daughter. And we moved into this above garage apartment. Looking back, we really think that's where our mold journey started. Um, They hadn't maintained their property They hadn't taken care of anything and there were cockroaches everywhere. And now we know, right? Like a lot of these bugs are going to show up if mold exists. So we didn't know what was going on. Then year later, we moved into an apartment. We thought, awesome. We're going to get out of this little kind of crappy, you know, above garage apartment that was 700 square feet. We got into a two bedroom, two bath apartment. Our youngest had just turned one. We thought we were giving our daughters a better life. And that's kind of when our health started. So from December 1st through July 19th, 
we had, we did the math and we had over 300 doctor's appointments from pediatricians, right, to specialists. And this is very similar to so many people's stories. Um, One of the differences for us was that my throat closed three times. And I remember the first time it happened, I didn't know anybody in Houston yet. And my bosses at new brand new job, they had to come pick up my daughters because my husband was working a storm, I think in like North Carolina or somewhere with his job. And so I remember my throat closing and thinking, this is terrifying. Like this isn't okay. The third time that happened, we were at the six month mark and my allergist, like, thank God for my allergist. He said, there's something in your environment. No other doctor no ER physician, right? No specialist. We saw neurologists, ENTs, the whole works. Nobody could tell us it was environmental. My allergist said, there's got to be something in your environment. So we went and checked that night. And sure enough, there was water leaking from our AC unit. You could see where people had painted over molds on the vents. My daughter's room was the worst. You could see the mold growing through the walls by the vent systems and around the windows and in their closet. At one point we thought like it was a trail of ants like just, you know, the little sugar ants. And then we looked closer and went, well, they're not moving. Like this is something very different. So we thankfully had um, peace of mind after arguing with our landlords who kept telling us, right, it's dust. No, we'll get it inspected. It's dust. Don't worry about it. And after about eight weeks of fighting with them, we just said, no, forget this. We're getting our own inspector, not knowing in the state of Texas that if your landlord hires somebody for the inspection, they don't have to give you the results. So we called up Texas mold inspectors, knowing nothing about them. Josh came out. My daughters and I left because I was anaphylactic to mold, not knowing I had a mold allergy at the time. And we came back. My husband had just had surgery on both wrists. So he was an apprentice. He didn't get paid for time off. And he had just had surgery on both wrists. And I remember coming and he just looked like death. And Josh looked at me and said, I just told your husband, you guys need to leave and not look back. And we went, I'm sorry. (laughs) We have $111 in our bank account right now. Like what? But we did. We looked at our daughters and they had gotten so sick that we went, we don't have another option. If it means we sleep on friends' couches, if it means like we have to sleep in our car, like we don't, we don't have another option. So we left and yeah, that was kind of where our mold happened. So Houston is really rough, which we talked about a little bit before this. Houston is really rough. Uh, Building codes aren't great. And the humidity here from the Gulf is insane. So we have a dehumidifier that's really good. We've tried four different types. This is the one that we've chosen and we have to empty it twice a day in midsummer and spring. It It's bad. And it's a, it's a big one, right? Like it's big. So the humidity here is really rough. We learned all this after. Um, that's kind of the gist of our story. I appreciate that. And I, I yeah. really want to just expound upon the leaving portion because I feel like you know, every time we talk about mold avoidance and leaving and it's like a triggering thing for people and they get so upset. Like some people are like, yeah, you know, you have to leave. And then some people are like so triggered because they're in that situation where they don't have resources to leave. But if your life is in danger, like it's like, you just have to find a way. I feel like it it gets to a point where if you're so sick, you have to figure out how to get out. And I, I was like you too. I was like, I don't care. Like at this point, I feel like my life is so in danger that I would be willing to sleep in a ditch on the side of the road in a tent if I had to do that. And I feel like I wish people, I just wish people would take this more seriously and not get to that point where it's like, you know, I'm now 
with no resources. And we see that with this, with this mold issue and this illness and, and everything that comes with it. It's like, we go from doctor to doctor. We spend so much money on all this other stuff. We get taken advantage of by landlords, remediators, everything. Like this is what really fueled me to want to work with Eric and Keely and start a podcast because I want to save people from going down that financial trap of, I can find an answer. Hopefully someone can help me, but everyone is screwing me over and now I have nothing left and I don't know what to do. You know, I hope that through these conversations, through this podcast, that we reverberate this message to people that if you're sensing something is wrong and you do have the financial resources to, to deal with it, like just get out, like don't waste your money on all these doctors and all this stuff, like just get out if you know what the problem is. And luckily you even had someone to be like, Hey, there's something in your environment. And a lot of people don't have that. And so it's like, what do you do? You know, it's not their fault because no one is sounding the alarm on what the problem is for them. So I'm glad that you're able to get out. And, and even though you, you didn't have the financial resources, you still found the way to get out, right? Yeah, we were fortunate. And this is something we talked to. We just talked to in the last week, right? I've talked to a mom who got out because she was in that position where she went, I know I need to get out, but she's now been in a shelter with children that have legit disabilities and I can't. And then we've talked to other parents that are in very similar boats with their children. And they're like, but I can't go to a shelter. I'm like, I am grateful that I didn't have to go to that extreme. And I think that's very real. So I think that's part of the equation with, I've talked to people too, and they're like, just get out. And then I've looked at some of these single parents and gone, I feel like that's a lot easier to say than to do. Like that is, that is hard. We were fortunate. We called our best friends here and they said, you're sleeping on our couch tonight. We've got an air mattress, the girls, it's their best friend. They can sleep with them. We called my family and my siblings and my parents without thinking. And we found out later, they kind of thought we were a little bit crazy, right? They didn't think mold was actually the cause of this. They still put us on a plane and flew us out to California to stay with them. And my husband was going through physical therapy. So he went I can't do this anymore. It was to the point where we were we're very intense people, but we're very respectful in our marriage. And we were getting angry, like at a very unhealthy level, not physically, but just emotionally and mentally and verbally getting very angry. And he went, okay, I agree. There's something here now. And so he left and he ended up sleeping in his truck for a while. He slept on buddy's couches. He slept. Somebody gave him an apartment to sleep in a doctor in Houston, but it was down near Galveston and it was moldy. And he knew it, right? But he's like, what other option do I have? So we were fortunate that when we said we have to get out, we had somewhere to go. Um, I don't know what we, I don't know what I would have done as a mom in that situation. I would have still gotten out, right? My throat was closing. You can only have that happen so many times and stop breathing (laughs) when you realize, okay, I can't, I couldn't stay there. Literally, it was killing me. Like it was killing me. Um, It was killing my daughters too. And so we did though. I agree. You have to get out if you can. If you have the resources, get out. If you don't have the resources, see if some there's somebody you can stay with. And it's tricky because you go to a shelter. You don't know if the shelter is going to be better conditioned than the home you're in, especially if you're in Texas. Um, let's just be real about that. Texas buildings are horrible. And I know she's saying that publicly. And so it, it's tricky. I agree. Get out if you can. But what do you do, right? If you can't, what do you do if right now inflation is so high? People are struggling due to COVID and the effects of everything going on in our economy. So what do you do if you legitimately can't get out? And if the shelters in your neighborhood are full and it's winter, like that's a lot harder to stay in a tent in winter. 
And if you don't have the gas money to get out of town and go somewhere, when we lived in New Mexico, I felt the best I've ever felt, right? Like, and I know you can relate to that, but it was the best I ever felt. We live in a trailer right now in our fifth wheel and the air quality and the surroundings and just honestly, the energy in New Mexico was so healing. And I would tell everybody to go to somewhere like that for a while and get out and recover and recuperate. But what do you do if you can't work from home, if you have to go to work to provide food for your family? I just think it's such a layered onion that is tricky because I wish we could give somebody $10,000 and say, go to the desert with your family, get out and heal. But if they can't afford food and they know they're not going to come back to a job, I just think it's a layered dichotomy. That's the frustrating part about this, doing this work. It's like, I know my privilege. Like I don't have kids. I I don't even know what I would do if I, if I had kids like there, I can't speak on that. And I, I think that's what kills my heart every day. It's like, yeah, it's so easier to say, get out, but it's the doing and the resources and like what's next and trying to do all this, like while you're, while you're fighting for your life is the most hardest impossible thing ever. And my heart goes out to those people. And I wish that I had like this, you know, huge place of land and just would tell everyone to come and, you know, like, let's be a community and come heal here. And like, that's what we at Exposing Mold think about every single day. It's like, I have no words for someone who has no money and has kids and is stuck in a moldy home. Like, I I don't know what to tell you, but I want to provide you help. Like I desperately want to help you. And that's why I work so hard with Exposing Mold day in and day out. Like even I work for free, like I'm not even getting paid. Like I there's, there's more than just money in this line of work. There's passion and there's empathy and there's heart for wanting to help people. And I think that's where Malachi's message and exposing mold are extremely aligned because we really want to figure out how to help people and in the way that we know how, and the way we do it is like, if you're a hypersensitive, imagine how many hypersensitive people that are working with the best mold doctors that get thrown out on their ass because nothing is working for them. Because even the best mold doctors don't even know how to deal with a mold hypersensitivity. Like we're teaching that, like, how do you navigate environments with this level of sensitivity when everyone is closing their door on you? Like we're giving hope to people to be able to navigate their environments. And then you guys come in and you're able to provide the monetary resources to say, Hey, here's some money to at least try to recuperate your life a little bit, try to bring some normalcy to your life. And, and hopefully this can help you build upon, you know, your health. And I think that, you know, us two working together and, and, you know, like change the air foundation is trying to do more with the homes and teach people how to take care of their homes and help them with remediation. I think there's so many different organizations within this sector that's really in it to help people and is really passionate in pursuing, um, you know, just whatever they can. I mean, like you said, it's so hard these days just to like scrounge money, even for yourself, like trying to get grants and resources for our organizations to be able to provide this level of help for people is pretty tough, but I'm a tough lady and I think it's doable. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) you know, I'm going to keep fighting, um, every day that I'm alive, I'm going to keep doing the best that I can, um, for people and also for myself, because I'm still healing. I'm, I'm now this mold hypersensitive trying to like make sense of my reality and my world and how do I navigate it? And it's just, it's really tough. Um, and so my heart really goes out to everyone and also to you and your situation. And you and I are both in trailers. Um, <laughs> I, and, and yeah. Eric has always talked about MECUs, a mobile environmental control unit. That's what we call it. And it's been just 
a godsend. Um, it was really helpful for me to be able to just get up and leave and, you know, or just control it a lot easier. Cause it's a smaller space. Like if something is broken, it's a lot easier to fix and a lot cheaper, um, than having to, what you said earlier, put a whole new roof on a house. Like that's what $25,000 down the drain. Um, and you don't know if that's going to help your mold situation. <laughs> so I, I totally agree. I've been on so I've talked to a lot of people like, oh, don't live in an RV or a trailer. You know, they're really prone to mold. And I'm thinking, don't you do the same thing with a home, though? Like you do your research into what type of trailer you do your research into how to maintain it. And like you said, it's such a safe space. We've had mold under our bed on our mattress and under our sink here. And but it only cost us a couple hundred bucks to fix each of it. Like we didn't have to hire a plumber to come in and redo all of our lines. We didn't. My husband, who's incredibly handy you know, tore out our bed. We cleaned everything properly and we bought a new mattress and figured out how to aerate under our mattress properly. Like it's, it is. And coming out of mold, like, you know, that anxiety of going, oh, every day I can walk into a safe space is huge for your healing process because your emotions and your body work together so innately. So yeah, I agree. It's, I know I love that when we jumped on and I was like, oh, she's in a trailer too. Yes. There's a whole bunch of us. Yeah. I mean, I dealt with mold as a homeowner. I dealt with mold as a renter and it it was just hell for both. I mean, we lost, we lost so much money as homeowners. We were paying for rent on an apartment we couldn't live in because like what you mentioned earlier, our property manager refused to give us anything of what they did, any remediation, any, you know, the testing is the usual, um, you know, air test in the center of the room. And then, oh, you're clear, you know, like just one sample and you're done and there's no mold here. Um, and me as a hypersensitive, you know, it's like, that's not good enough for me. Um, and you know, what do you, what do you do? You're stuck. You're stuck in that situation. And I couldn't, show enough proof that there was enough spores to say that, okay, yes, this is very damaging to health. And now you can be relinquished of your, of your lease. Like we were stuck there. And so we lost so much money with that. And so we're like, oh, the hell with it. We're getting a trailer. Like we made sure (laughs) to buy, it's so much cheaper. We made sure to buy in a, in a position where we were comfortable if we had to sell if we lost this amount, we would be comfortable with that. And it's like, it's yeah. a financial game um, going through this as well. And and being really mindful of how to preserve your resources um, through yeah. this is also another tool and strategy um, that I think is important for people to think about. Because I hear people go from home to home to home and they're, you know, after the 10th home, they still can't find a safe place and you're spending so much money on rent and then you're losing everything again. It's just... A trailer. I know. I I feel like we're kind of making the case for trailers, but it's just one (laughs) way to do avoidance. But it was just one way that worked for myself and for you, and could work for other people, and it could be something that people can consider. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Home Cleanse, formerly known as All American Restoration, is a company that specializes in improving indoor air quality through proper mold remediation, offering services nationwide. You can visit them at homecleanse.com to learn more. The Mold Guy performs mold sampling and testing for homeowners, renters, and businesses. Please visit themoldguyinc.com to learn more. Black Diamond Services provides solutions to the unforeseen challenges that can affect homes and families with no out-of-pocket costs. Services include temporary housing relocation and mold test referrals for homeowners. Visit blackdiamondservices.com to learn more.
Great Plains Laboratory provides toxic exposure testing to those living in compromised environments. Tests include the Mycotox panel that tests for mycotoxins in urine samples and the Envirotox panels tests for environmental chemicals in the urine and provides an overall metabolic snapshot of a patient's health. Visit gp-labs.com to learn more. Thank you again for your sponsorships. It is integral to our ability to serve our community and to improve the quality of life for all. Let's move on to Malachi's message. What are you guys doing? Like what, what's going on? What are some new cool things you have coming com- going on in the future? I think you have a silent auction. So Emily, Josh was our inspector. And uh, Emily tells me now that we were the weird case that called her because my husband called to make the appointment. And normally it's the wives that call to make the appointment. So we already stood out. And she said the second time we stood out and she knew that she needed to be friends with us was when we called to pay our bill. And she said, nobody ever called to ask how much they owed to make sure they could pay it on time. And y'all called like twice to say, hey, how much is our bill and how do we pay you? And she goes, that was weird. And then Josh told me that she and I had very similar symptoms. And uh, we started chatting. And quite honestly, from that point on, it was like we knew each other from birth. It was crazy. And we are still best friends today. Like you could not pull us apart. And we, she had just lost Malachi a year before that, right? Um within that last year. And so it took three years of healing for us. We originally wanted to create a resource website and that started to fall apart internally. And um, at the time it was going to be a paid subscription website. And that was something that I didn't feel comfortable with. And I really felt like in my spirit, I'm here to help people. My family had no money, right? I wanted to be the hands and feet and just like come along people, low income, high income, wherever they were at. Because we know mold can take anybody at any socioeconomic status and help people. And so we stepped away from the business side and went, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's create a foundation. So we started that planning that in 2017 and we went live in 2020, March of 2020. So we've been alive and active for two years. We're adjusting. We were originally, um, right. You, as you know, creating something is a lot of learning and a lot of growth and a lot of, a lot of messy, um, we originally were giving away gift cards to people and we actually changed that for furniture. We have eight forms of assistance. We help people with temporary housing as in reimbursement. We help people with medical bills, pay for their reimbursement or pay the physicians directly. We help with mold assessment reimbursement for somebody that is licensed in the state of Texas. We help with clothing replacement, furniture replacement, toys for minors, because we saw my kids go through losing everything. And my daughter still literally has a bunk bed and the top is full of just stuffies and dolls because that's all she remembers losing at the age of one. And then we also are working on our military families matter fund, which come January, we will probably have a big announcement in that regard coming. And then we also partnered with Olivia Farbaugh for the CIRS support fund. So we now help pay for those that think they have CIRS to see a physician, get diagnosed, pay for their follow-up appointment, their genie test, and then home testing if they need it. So those are the main ways that we help people. Um, Coming up, we have a silent auction starting December 1st through the 19th, and that is all online. We are also hosting a formal dinner with some of the uh, functional medicine doctors, lawyers, some of our corporate sponsors in Austin, Texas in December. And that will also host a separate silent auction. We're very excited for that. And then in January, we're actually launching a six-month trial peer-to-peer online support group. 
that's being facilitated by um, three volunteers and you know some of them. So Jennifer with Jennifer Wellness, um, Emily Brown, who is a military spouse, and then Christina Greenfield of Rebuilding Revival. And we've been working together and they're going to be co-facilitating this online support group. That's going to be a private group. So we're creating the Facebook group for it. Now all the links for it will go up and that will start um, mid-January as well and run for a six-month trial basis. So we're still learning. We're still growing. We're still trying to help people in the best ways that we know how and adjusting as we go. We originally gave away gift cards for things like clothing and furniture, and we're now shifting to registries. So people that are accepted will create a registry and we will just simply buy their furniture, buy their clothing, buy the toys so that we know it's the exact item that we've said we'll give them assistance with. So we're excited. We're we're really excited. I think we've given away this year an assistance. Well, I don't think I know we've given away an assistance this year more than our nonprofit brought in for all of our first year. So our entire income for year one, we've already been able to give away that much in year two, which is, you know, a dream for a nonprofit in the second year of being up and running. So it's a lot of fun. We're having fun. We're starting to grow. We're starting to see more people being helped, which as you know, right, that's that's genuinely what we're about. We're not in this for any other reason. That's amazing. Congratulations. I love that. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, like, how many families have you guys helped so far? Uh, Okay. So I just put this in our last board report. I want to say this year we have helped 17 individuals and our end of the year fundraiser should be able to help us with more. We have over a hundred thousand dollars worth of people that have been accepted on our wait list right now. Literally every week it just grows and grows and grows. And that's just for our mold assistance fund for Texas. We have 16 people on our wait list for the CIRS support fund right now. And their total package out the door, I think is just at $3,000, $3,500 for their assistance. So the need is always going to be there but we're just hoping that next year, right? The first year, I think we helped 10 people this year. We're at 17 plus whoever else we're able to help throughout the rest of this year. And we're hoping for another double next year of that. So hopefully next year it'll be 30, 40 people that we've been able to help and then just continually, you know, grow and grow. Yeah. That's amazing. I love yeah, that. It's and fun. It's just, are you noticing like, um, well, I guess because you guys are new and maybe still acquiring data, like, are you noticing like more and more people like looking for help, more and more stories? Like, do you feel like this toxic mold issue is getting bigger than from when you guys started? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, okay. So actually, I don't know if it's bigger or if we're just seeing more of it now. Um, we still have a lot of people that even though it's very clear on our website too, right? For our mold assistance right now, we're only helping people in Texas we still get people on it, like literally on a weekly basis. I'm having to tell people, Hey, I'm sorry, we're not in your state yet. We're only helping people in Texas. So I don't feel like it's just in Texas. Texas is by far, I think the worst, but I think it is such a U.S. It, it's an issue everywhere. Like we're hearing it from every state, regardless of the weather, go figure, right? We have friends in Arizona. We have people that we know in Arizona that are calling us and being like, Hey, are you giving assistance to Arizona? And you would think in such a dry state, I'm like, but if you have a crappy building and a monsoon rolls through, like, it doesn't matter, right? You can still have leaks from poor building codes in Arizona or New Mexico. Um, The chance of it drying out is probably better, but you still have those issues. So I think that more people are becoming aware though. We have more and more people get a hold of us that say, hey, I know somebody, or I used to think mold wasn't a big deal. 
And now I know, you you know, it is a big deal and it's everywhere. So I do think the awareness is growing. And I think it's because more of us are showing united front and coming out and saying, look, this is a huge pie and we're all trying to take a different piece of it to help people. So I do think there is definitely more awareness around the topic. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just curious because, and maybe this is, maybe this is something that we could work together as exposing mold and Malachi's message, because I've bought and had to throw away things like so many times, right. It because of contamination or not understanding that aspect of my level of sensitivity. Like, are you guys providing education on how to decontaminate and how to, you know what I mean? Cause I, I feel like just giving people money and not giving them the knowledge or the education on the, how to, how to prevent contamination. If you are a level, or if you are a person with this level of sensitivity is kind of like a lost cause. So are you guys providing that level of education to the people that you are providing funds to? We're working on putting that together actually right now, because that was actually something in our last board of directors meeting that everybody got together again and said, you know, you've got to teach someone to fish. So the reality of being able to go into a home and even if you have it tested, there's such a high chance that there's going to be something in that home right now. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about earlier, getting into somewhere else right away and going from home to home to home to home is so hard on people that we are at the point now where we're like, we really want to give them a curriculum that they can go through and they will have the tools in hand to at least ensure that the space they're walking into is as safe as it possibly can be for them. So that way they're not, like you said, we're not just going to give them clothing. We're not just going to give them furniture. We're not just going to pay their bills. But here is also some tools, especially for those that are going into new space, which is quite a few of them going, okay, how can you work with the space that you're in? So that hopefully you're not, you know, you don't have to be in the spot again in the near future if you do the right things. So that is actually something that we're creating right now. That's awesome. Yeah. Usually yeah. that's what we hear from people that say, well, mold avoidance didn't work for me. Well, maybe because there was a certain level of understanding of this illness that you didn't know that no one taught you because it's not your fault because no one else knows about it. And so that level of education, I think is really supreme to protect people's health and to prevent them from leapfrogging and wasting all this money in home to home place to place, you know, whatever, or just even learning like your bodily sensations, like what's going on, like use this as like a tool to navigate these environments. Um, and yeah. as always, because we cater to the hypersensitive, that's that's who we speak to. We know everyone isn't hypersensitive and some people can simply just get out and do better. I'm envy of, envious of that. I wish I was that person. <laughs> but um, I think what we're seeing is just a dangerous level of this hypersensitivity level, like growing amongst the population. And we're like, oh my God, like how are we going to help these people if doctors are just shutting the doors on them and, um, you know, not even shoemaker doctors, CRS trained, mold literate doctors are even understanding this level of hypersensitivity. Um, it's yeah. like, where do we, where do we provide, where do we bridge this gap? Um, with this information. And, you know, our organization is so open to providing this information to practitioners and helping them become better to learn this aspect of it. And we're working with people to validate this, you know, in terms of testing and and all this stuff, because I think it's just so important that um, people understand this. And we have talked to organizations that 
you know, are working on policy and all this stuff, but it's like, you have to be careful when you go that route, right, Eric? It's like, if you say that this amount of spores is what's the limit, but someone else is allergic to even less than that, you're kind of setting people up for failure. And like, there's so many touchy subjects within this paradigm that we all have to be careful with and how we navigate this and how we help people. Um, and so it's just it's such an interesting um, <laughs> situation it's and, and, and it's challenging, you know, it's really challenging to deal with this. And then also <laughs> just dealing with patients, you know, or people who don't understand and family and friends who don't believe that's another level of challenge and, um, you know, providing support to the caregivers um, of the people who do believe, but don't understand that's another challenge. Um, and it's just, there's so many hurdles to jump through in this illness, but I think everyone's commitment to this is definitely going to help find solutions to these challenges for people to live a better life. Um, I'm, so glad, I'm so glad you guys are dealing with hypersensitive though. Cause you're right. That is, I was on a call yesterday with somebody and I'm not going to mention names for their sake, but they were telling me that they are one of those people that is hypersensitive and they have been to 10 doctors, all names that if I mentioned them, right, everybody would know in this industry. And it was the same thing. They're like, they just didn't know what to do with her. And they just didn't know what to do with her. And one of them didn't know how to read the labs properly. And they just didn't know what to do with her. And she was exactly where you're saying she was asking me, she's like, well, what do we do now? Like, what, what do I do? And so she was just exhausted. So I'm glad there are there is part of me, there are people like you who are advocating for that because that is such a real thing, especially when I'm learning that sometimes people just don't know and doctors sometimes do know and sometimes they just don't know. So how do you still help the people that need the help if the doctors aren't willing to help or if they don't know? So I'm glad you guys are focused on that and working with that piece of this equation because it is, it's needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Keely Severson is passionate and committed to exposing the truth about toxic mold and its effects on the human body. Many mold-injured people are often misdiagnosed with autoimmune conditions, nerve damage, mental illnesses, and other chronic health conditions due to the lack of knowledge about water damage and toxic mold growing in their homes. The crippling effects of toxic mold on the body has destroyed many lives. Been there, done that. When she became a healthcare provider specializing in acupuncture and herbal medicine, it was only then that she truly began to understand the connection between her health and the environment that she was living in. Three years after becoming a licensed care provider, she became incredibly ill. She was suffering from kidney failure, reoccurring UTIs, and various negative mental health symptoms. When she learned that her family had been dwelling with mold trapped under her kitchen floor, the relationship between the toxic mold factor and her health finally began to make sense. It became part of her life's mission to help educate society on the extreme effects that mold can have on the body. Her work is vital because there exists a lack of experience and acknowledgement for mainstream medical practitioners and even mold experts. She has firsthand experience dealing with mold exposure, and she makes sure to address all the signs and symptoms during every environmental screening that she performs. She's developed a line of organic herbal tinctures and formulas to help most patients reduce symptoms commonly associated with toxic mold exposures. These symptoms vary and can manifest themselves very differently from person to person. Her herbal education and experience has helped her increase awareness and recognize signs in patients that may result from their toxic environments. 
Keeley's dedication to learning and understanding the effects of toxic mold and educating and bringing awareness to her patients and other providers keep her motivated. She knows just how devastating the untreated consequences can be on your health and the health of your families, relationships, and life outcomes. If you or someone you know may be affected by toxic mold exposure, rest assured that you and Keely will work together to find a solution. By working together to treat the symptoms and stay educated on toxic mold exposures, we can reduce the impact of this devastating phenomenon. To consult with Keeley, please visit exposingmold.com slash consultations. That's exposingmold.com slash C-O-N-S-U-L-T-A-T-I-O-N-S. Book your appointment today. And I just want to go back to the SIRS um, stuff. And I know I, I yeah. want to ask, are you still seeing value in pursuing this medical term? It's not exactly a syndrome. It's not something that you can get billed for your insurance to seek treatment for. We know that Shoemaker has reversed SIRS to mold being less than what, 7%. But now it seems like their organization is putting mold kind of on a higher pedestal for SIRS. Like, what are you guys, what are your sentiments around this whole flip-flop changing and, and all this stuff when it comes to that? Honestly, I don't know that we have a sentiment around that specifically. I know that we have talked to a lot of people and for us seeing the correlation between people we have talked with and the association still in the greater mold world is still there. So a lot of these people that have been in water damage buildings are still walking out with CIRS or all of the, like enough of the cluster symptoms for it. And so in our mind, that is still the correlation going. I think the shoemaker thing is tricky because I think it's still a 50-50 thing where I think that we we just talked to um, Alan Grunning in one of our last podcasts and he's a shoemaker doctor out of Florida And that was one of the things that he said. He said, there's been a lot of controversial topic around this, but the reality is that they're still seeing correlation between mold and CIRS. And it's still enough of a correlation that it exists. So it hasn't been entirely debunked. And so we look at that and go, if that is still a relative factor, whether it's 80% or it's 7%, and there's still a direct correlation, that is still a higher percentage than most other illnesses that you could put research behind to say there's a direct correlation between this and mold exposure. Because a lot of them, if you look at that correlation, the percentage is small, like way smaller than that for most conditions. And so we still looked at that and went, that's still a high enough percentage of people that we are interacting with, that this is something that does need to be addressed and talked about. And like you said, insurance (laughs) is going to help with it. They're just not, right? And so we're not helping with the full thing. We're not paying for medicine. We're not helping with supplements. We're going, we want you to know if you have this condition because you've been exposed to molds. And if you do, then the treatment is something that you're going to have to figure out with your physician. But we at least want you to know. I know for me, getting the diagnosis of mast cell activation syndrome was a, a struggle to say the least. And I had to be my own advocate in a very big way because three years ago, that still wasn't as recognized. It's way more recognized now but it wasn't. And so to push for that was hard. And so if somebody had said, Hey, we're going to get you into a doctor to see if this is potentially what you have, I would have said, that's great. I'll take care of the rest of it. I just need to know. Instead, I had to do that by myself. So we looked at those two things and went, no, we're still going to help people. If they need the diagnosis, we're going to help them get the diagnosis. 
And from there, they can take care of the rest of it. But that was our our thought process behind it. We honestly didn't dive too deep into the controversial topic with Shoemaker and Mold and CIRS because in the end for us, that's not going to help us that much. It's not where I stand on that isn't going to make a difference for the people that I'm helping right now for what we do. For other people, it will make a very big difference, but not for what we do. Yeah. Actually, it's uh, already made a difference because look how many people didn't know about mold illness because their chronic fatigue syndrome doctors never told them. Yeah. Um, The uh, whole point of starting a syndrome was to raise awareness, solve the syndrome, disseminate information, and this wasn't done. They simply said, well, you have chronic fatigue syndrome and dropped it, never bothering to mention that toxic mold is actually what started this syndrome. So I I worked with uh, the Shoemaker Group for almost 20 years, and it seemed like they were on track to connect uh, mold to this syndrome, which is an official CDC-approved syndrome, uh, for the purpose of getting the, the word out there. And then after the 2019 Mold Congress, they just dropped it, decided not to mention it at all. So um, the raising awareness thing kind of turned around and went the other other direction. Interesting. Yeah, I've read I've read quite a bit on what you've posted and what you guys have posted in regards to that. It's it's interesting. Yeah, I find more people every day that have they got a CFS diagnosis, carried that around for years. And then go, oh, I just found out I had mold illness. Wow, what a shame. And your doctor didn't tell you that yeah. chronic fatigue syndrome was based on mold illness. Yeah, I feel like a lot of that too. I And I hope like part of what we encourage is that people do a lot of their own research too, right? So I feel like there are so many of us in this industry and so many doctors that have different opinions on what can cause mold illness, biotoxin illness, anything associated with it. And a lot of them are so contradictory to each other that we pretty hard stand on the grounds that you need to do your own research to make sure it's accredited research and be your own advocate. Because like you just said, not even in regards to just CFS, but in many things, you have to be your own advocate with your doctors and say, look, this is what I've seen. There is a correlation here. So run this test or figure this out for me. And it's hard. It is. It's hard because there's a lot that I feel like should be known and isn't known. That correlation being one of them. Mm So what we've been doing is trying to pressure the CDC, NIH, and major NECFS institutes to make this connection so that they can raise awareness quickly rather than leaving it to a bunch of bickering doctors who don't agree with each other. Yeah, it's it's been a, a tough road with that. Hopefully something will happen because it's just this is becoming a major problem that you know they can't ignore it. And we were in a conference with the White House put on a summit and they're talking about improving indoor air quality and they're naming everything but mold. But you know, a lot of this stuff is seems to be aimed at mold, <laughs> a lot of their yeah. solutions. So it's just kind of weird. Um, but I think going back to the diagnoses and the SIRS, like for me, I got my SIRS diagnosis when it was mold illness. So I, I think I was lucky, but I feel like now what, what is a SIRS diagnosis? It's a endotoxin, toxic soup, nothing, you know, there's not one offender. It's a million things. I feel like it's kind of like a betrayal. Like, how do I know what is the source of what is causing my illness with that diagnosis? Um, and so I think if anything, receiving a diagnosis or, or, you know, I have say someone has MCS like you or POTS that I, for me that would just be an indication of what's going on that 
in my environment that is causing my body to go crazy. Right. And so I think a lot of people get so stuck on wanting to receive a diagnosis, like what is wrong? What is the name? But what is the name really telling you? Is the name telling you exactly what the root cause of your illness is? If it's not, then I don't care. You know, like I want to figure out what's going on. And I think <laughs> that was really my frustration in my journey was like a laundry list. I had a stack of medical records of like, oh, EBV and reactivated titers for this and every virus and every bacterial infection. And I had everything in the book. How am I alive? I should be dead at this point. Why am I getting all of this? I think that was the, 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 the main thing I was trying to figure out. Why is my body not protecting me from things that I would normally be protected by? And so once I found out mold causing major immune dysfunction, I said, aha, this is the offender in my environment that I have to avoid. And once I was able to avoid that and get out of these bad environments, all of these diagnoses went away. And I don't have MCS, MCS anymore. I don't have POTS anymore. I don't have any of these reactivated viral titers anymore. And I think that's what's wrong with our medical establishment today with these doctors is that they give you these diagnoses and then they just hone in on that. Oh, you're just sick because you have EBV or you have Bartonella or you have Lyme. Well, what is going on with the body that is making all of this go crazy? And it always seems to go back to the mold. Um, and so it's like we have all these fights with a bunch of people on the internet and everyone's fighting with each other about what their illness is caused by. And it's like, well, you know, speaking from experience and from what we're seeing, you know, if you're able to just avoid the mold, boy, does everything else just simply melt away? That's pretty crazy, right? That's a clue that maybe we should be looking into this more. <laughs> see, I, and I think for me, the di- getting the diagnosis and see, I see that a little bit differently in that. For me and a few other people I've spoken with, one who has CIRS now, they were told they had other things until they finally got what it was. So I was, when I got my mass activation syndrome diagnosis, it was a relief in that I went, okay, now I can look into what causes this. So for me, the diagnosis was the trigger. And I wonder for how many other people, the diagnosis is the trigger that makes them go, okay, I have an answer. And now I have enough, like my anxiety is lowered enough that I can go look into what's causing this. And our mold, like I, I have a mold allergy, but I still have mast cell activation syndrome and I've detoxed. Like we just did my last panel and there's nothing in my system, but I still have mast cell activation syndrome. So I, for me, I'd be very careful saying if you just take mold out, all of those illnesses can go away. Like my PCOS isn't going to go away. My mold's gone, but I still get cysts that rupture and they are incredibly painful, right? Like I still have celiac disease that hasn't gone away. So I think for people where that is the case, that's amazing. That is incredible for all of those other things to just disappear when mold goes away is amazing. And I know we, I, we were talking to somebody and they said that for people that are diagnosed with CIRS, when they're able to work with their gene structure and correct that, then a lot of those things do go away. So in my mind, I wonder, is it the correction of those genes that make everything else go away? Or is it simply just taking the mold out? Because if it's just taking the mold out, then there's still something really wrong in my environment that I don't know about, or it's just that my gene structure hasn't been corrected yet. I don't know if that makes sense. I would be very wary to say that just taking the mold out of the environment makes everything else heal on its own, because I don't know that that's the case either. Well, this poster behind me is uh, a list of examples where it wasn't the case, where people were removed from mold and they didn't get better. So the idea was to find out why this is happening. Yeah. And that's where doctors drop the ball. And now yeah. they just sell their treatments saying, yeah, well, this will make you better. This will reduce symptoms. 
And well, why is this happening? So when it, when are they going to look into the dynamics of why mold is such a problem now? Yeah, yeah. And, and thank yeah. you for thank you for correcting me on that. You're absolutely right. There are it gets to a point where people are so damaged that they can't reverse certain things that's happening with them. And I totally appreciate you calling that out. Like that is extremely important to note. Yes. There is a point to where maybe you've gotten some irreversible damage that you can't come back from. And we do notice like with me and Keely and Eric, like when we have these certain, like certain like things that we experience in terms of like symptoms in terms of MCAS or whatever that may be, we do see that when people are able to really control contamination in their environment. And I know it's such a pain in the ass thing that a lot (laughs) of that stuff does go away. And so maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe that could be something that's going on with you. Maybe there's something in, in your environment that could be aggravating you and still causing you to have symptoms. That's just, you know, an extrapolation. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, as we've seen through, through history, things can, <laughs> things can, you know, get stuck there and not be reversed. And for example, like this hypersensitivity, we don't, we're stuck in this hypersensitive state and we know avoiding can help, but every time we're reintroduced to that trigger, we're having these symptoms. I wish a doctor would take interest and I wish a researcher would look into this because I don't want to live my life like this. Like let's figure out what's going on. And that's what really drives us too. It's like, we're so passionate about finding the right researchers or the right people who are interested in looking into this so that way we can find a solution. Like it's it's insane to live like this, to have to be, you know, like a person with a peanut allergy where we're always diverting these toxic exposures. (laughs) Honestly, before I met my husband, I traveled like internationally, loved to travel, you know, backpack, did everything. And then after molds, I remember somebody asked us like, oh, you know what, where was the last place you went on your passport? And I remember thinking, does that even exist after molds? Like, can I, I can't go anywhere. And with my mast cell was the big one for me. Like, you want me to eat what food? Like, I am so sorry. Like, I'd rather come back to the US. Like, I don't really want to die today. But it, it's horrible. Like you said, I wish there was something that could, you know make that a reality. And we could all, we joke all the time, uh, Emily and I and our board of directors, we joke all the time. We're like, there was the you before mold. And then there was the you after mold. And we still sometimes like realize we don't know each other as well as we thought, because something will come up from who they were before mold. And we're like, oh, you did that? Like you skydived? What? You did this? And it, it's crazy. It's like uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Like you have two different lives that you know yourself as. It's It's intense. That reminds me of Eric. He used to be a hang gliding instructor. Eric's a badass, man. Can you imagine <laughs> like hang gliding? You have to have some level of, I don't know, madness within you to be able to do that. That's crazy. But you're so right. It's like we, I feel like every day I grieve a little bit for who I was and who I wish I could be, you know, and, and mold has definitely giving me bigger balls. I guess you can say I'm just being really candid here. I definitely feel extremely fearless in what I say and what I do. I don't uh, live with regret anymore. I don't live with holding myself back um, because I feel like once you lose everything and you've gotten to the point where you have nothing and you have to rebuild your life and your sanity and, and grieve everything, and you just turn into like this to this different person. I don't know if you're at that level, Elizabeth, or you're just like, nothing can touch me. Like nothing can hurt me. There's nothing you can do <laughs> to me or take away from me that, you know, I'm going to fall apart over because I've been through it all. 
Oh, oh, all the time. And it was such a hard adjustment back into reality, right? Like I'm a mom of young girls. And so having to like regain, it's the hardest thing to go back into the world of regular people and to hear conversations about what's really important to them and how something at your kid's birthday party just didn't go right. And it's the end of the world. And you're sitting here going like, part of my language, but bitch, please. Three months ago, we had nothing. Like my kids didn't have clothes. My kids didn't have toys. Like I was excited. They got to see their next birthday, but yet I'm supposed to somehow assimilate back into this world where, you know, it was purple, not pink. And that's the end of the world. And there's, yeah, there are still times where I just walk away. Cause I'm like, I just can't like, I just talked to a single mom today who, you know, lost everything again. And her kid is in the ICU and you are worried about what color your Porsche is going to be. It is so hard. And then at the same time, I like have to readjust and go, but I'm also grateful that that is your worry. Like if that is your biggest worry in life right now, that is good because everybody goes through seasons and everybody hits hard places and everybody should have mountaintops once in a while. So if you are in a place where that is your biggest worry, I can't engage you, but I'm grateful that that's your biggest worry right now and that you're not worrying about your kid being in the ICU. Like it's hard though. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I have to refrain a lot of times from speaking. (laughs) That was really beautiful that you said that you're, you, you have gratitude for that person's privilege and and I guess being fortunate. And I think we, sometimes we, we are seething with envy and like irritation and frustration (laughs) (laughs) because it's like, it's easy to go there with those sentences, but it's not easy to extend beyond that and look at someone and just look at them for their own life experience and have gratitude for them being able not to have to go through what we went through. So that was really beautiful and really sweet. Thank you, Elizabeth. Oh yeah. That's been learned. That was trained. That was not, <laughs> that was not an innate. Uh, yeah. Emily and I have had to literally call each other and remind me to be grateful for this mom right now. Why? Like, okay. And now it's more natural, but it took years, years. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to join your support group just so I can learn that. <laughs> Cause I'm still seething over here. I'm like, what? Shut up. You know, like right. I literally tell them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know, that actually has paid off in my life though. Like that has definitely my level of, of discontent with people's pettiness and me calling them out has actually have, has actually helped other people. So I'm like, okay, maybe my, my craziness <laughs> isn't so bad after all. <laughs> I'm trying to well, look at you guys have started, right? You've, you've started this out of your craziness. So that that's, that's a testament. That's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Elizabeth. We're hitting the hour mark. Was there anything else awesome. that you wanted to ask her, Eric, or anything you wanted to say? It was a pleasure meeting you, Eric. Emily has said nothing but good things about her interactions with you. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Eric is our ultra genius. Just Every time we think like he's nuts or whatever, and he'll sit down and explain everything to us, we're like, God, you are the smartest person on this planet. Like, <laughs> how do you have this level of understanding of things? So we're so grateful <laughs> to be working with Eric and to be elevating his work. And we know that his military training has really helped so many people who, yeah. you know, are the hypersensitives and who feel like they're on death's door. So at least we're we're kind of giving a second a new lease on life for people who definitely feel like they're, they're at the end. So 
Um, I wouldn't be here if I didn't have Eric. I probably would have died or killed myself. Honestly, I, I can never imagine myself living the life that I was living at that time. And sometimes you feel like when you're sick with this illness, that it, this is your life and you feel stuck and you feel like there's no way out. There's absolutely a way out. You just have to have that sheer will and grit. And, you know, thankfully I was privileged with, you know, financial resources and having a support system. Not everyone has that. And so we're trying to become that with Exposing Mold and really try to help people. Um, and also with Malachi's message, you guys are also giving people second lease on life to help them financially and and eventually be, being able to give them the tools to navigate their environment. So we, we are grateful for you. So if anyone um, wanted to seek help or wanted to get in touch with you guys, where can they find you? Uh, Malachi'smessage.org. And everything is on there. Our contacts, our email, the silent auction items, if you so choose to go look at them. And our we have Facebook, Instagram, and then uh, we will be posting for the online support group. It'll be coming up soon. Fantastic. Thank you, Elizabeth. You have a wonderful day. Thank, Thank you. you. For our listeners. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.